Well, folks, bring on Gonzaga. <laughs> the Hawkeyes are riding high tonight, and I'm joined by Coach Gary Close, Iowa with a 110-87 to defeat of Maryland. And, uh, Gary, you and I just chatted here for a couple of moments before we went live. I don't really know how to explain what we just saw other than the fact that uh, so far it looks like the, the change that Fran made in the starting lineup may have started to ignite something with Jordan Bohannon. Now I know we're extrapolating on that a bit. We need to see a, a bigger sample size. But, boy, how good was Jordan Bohannon tonight? He was really good. I don't think we're going to get a whole lot of comments of getting him out of the lineup tonight. <laughs> That's for sure. And I think Fran deserves a lot of credit with sticking with him, which I'm not surprised. I mean, the kid's been doing this for a long time. You knew it was going to happen eventually. Hopefully it'll, you know, give him some confidence. Um, as you guys, sometimes a game like that can get you going. So um, there were a lot of wide open shots. That's a nice way to get out of a shooting slump is having some, big looks and he, he got him and he, and he buried him. So, yeah, let's, let's talk about that. So the 10 made threes for Jordan Bohannon. And I honestly, I wasn't really listening to Robbie Hummel or, or Benetti, although I think both guys are really good. Um, so I, was this, a, did you catch, was this a record uh, in the Xfinity center? Do you know, Gary? Yeah, it was a record in their arena. It was one off the uh, big 10 record of 11. Okay. So, there's obviously multiple facets to this. Obviously, Jordan Bohannon has been missing a lot of threes. Even his open attempts recently, he's been missing. But, um, I mean, how do, how do you allow him to be that wide open that many times? I'm not taking credit away from Bohannon, but Maryland did not defend him well at all. I think I think they were asleep when they were going over Bohannon in the scouting report. <laughs> I mean, he was open. There were so many breakdowns, you know, they, they, uh, you know, that's a guy you can't lose period. I mean, you, you don't help off him very much. You don't lose sight of him and boy, they lost sight of him a lot. Um, and he made him pay for it. So it's, um, and, and, and his teammates did a good job of finding him. So it was a combination of a lot of things, but you got to put it in the basket, even if you're open and, and to his credit, he did. I think the ones he missed were the ones that were contested. I think he didn't miss very many open ones. Um, so I think his shot selection was better. You know, it's probably easier. It was better because they were so wide open. But um, I think he's I think he's forced some, and that and that's a tough, difficult shot. A lot of times you think you shoot bad, then you go back and look at your shots, and you didn't take very many good ones. Um, and those are harder to make. So um, today, today, tonight, he had a lot of real good looks, and uh, and he and he did a great job of making them. And I anticipate we'll have a, a few calls this evening, so we're gonna we're gonna try to hit these calls fast and hard. Let's take our first one here. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's on the line? Hey, Corey, it's the real MVP. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Um, I didn't realize uh, Clay, Caitlin Clark's dominance performed uh, went over to uh, the men's side. <laughs> we're we're seeing a, a trickle trickle down effect. I think. I uh, know this might be some trickle down stuff. I mean, that was, I mean, is there any phase you could say went wrong today? I mean, it just felt like everything went right for him today. Well, I'm sure Gary, as a coach, if you're looking at tape, you're going to find some things. Um, I didn't think, I hope nobody gets mad that I'm going to say this. I didn't think Iowa played that great defensively in the first half. I just didn't think they played very good defensively. Gary, do you have any thoughts on that? But yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't think they did either. Uh, it was, it was, uh, you know, they didn't have to. They, they outscored right. them. Um, but um, Maryland shot well from three. 
Uh, I, I bet they made 13 or 14 threes, which is way too much. Um, and they got a lot of they got a lot of got, got a lot of hoops in the first half around the rim. I, there weren't too many jump shots that they had to make. So, um, but I think they did a better job in the second half. Yeah, 14 th- uh, threes made for Maryland, 14 and 26. Oh, that's a lot. And uh, Iowa with 19. But uh, you're right. Um, defensively, there's still things to clean up. I mean, they're not going to score 110 every night. And usually 87 on the – usually give up 87 will get you beat. Now, it's hard because when you're up 30, Gary, you and I have talked about this, it, you let off the gas. It's just a natural inc- inclination sure. as a player, is it not? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And the possessions are coming – fast because people are scoring easily so you're gonna it's going to be a higher scoring game because there's going to be more possessions but um you know it was first first 100 wins and we got there first (laughs) yeah it was (laughs) it was quite the feat so you know a few games ago everyone was saying i was not going to make the tournament all that stuff i'm 95 percent sure they're going to make the tournament now what are you what are you predicting as of now, uh, well, I think they've got a good shot. They've got they've got work to be done for sure. Um, but um, you know, it's right there in front of them. They've I think their more difficult games are at home, uh, where they're tough to beat. Um, you know, no no game in this league is is easy. Now, this was an exception. I think Maryland's kind of packed it in for the year. Uh, at least they look like that tonight. Um, but um, and there'll be other teams that are going to be playing that are trying to do the same thing they are of getting as many wins as possible. So they're not going to be easy, but they got they got a path in front of them that they can handle. And if they do, um, I think they can get in there. And that would be a great accomplishment for a team that lost as many players as they did. And for the record, I just I'll just say I think they're good. I mean, I thought they were going to get in even after they fell, what, down to four and six. Um prior to that game at Ohio State. And, of course, who knows what would happen there. It gets canned or postponed. Um, this was a very favorable stretch. I did not expect Iowa to win by whatever they won by uh, 23. But I did expect Iowa. This is a game where Iowa, I felt, needed to win on the road. Um, but I said that after I said that on the road at Rutgers, Gary. I said it on the road against Penn State. And we talked about it. Road wins are tough to come by in this conference. Yeah, they are. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. – and. And real MVP is as it relates to Maryland. I, I agree with Gary. It didn't. It just didn't seem like they were engaged at all. And I was frankly surprised. Danny Manning held on to. He had two timeouts early in that second half, and he kind of just let it go, let it play out. I was a bit surprised by that, Gary. Did you feel like there maybe should have been a little bit more intervention there? Yeah, you know, it's hard to tell. I really, it, it didn't. Uh, that part I didn't. I didn't catch it with, but. Um... Um, I, I think it's it's been a tough year for them. You lose your coach halfway through the year, and it's it's difficult. Uh, it's I feel for him. Um, you know, he was a terrific player. And he's a good coach, and hopefully, he'll get another opportunity somewhere. But it's it's not an easy uh, it's not an easy thing to do, especially in a league like uh, the Big Ten. So you got to feel for him a little bit. Doesn't sound like you envy the position he's in, Coach Close. No, it's 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 tough. You know, you're 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 changing leadership right in the middle of the year, and um, you know you're dealing with that, and and it's a young team, and it's and it's a difficult league. It's a, it's a tough. Um, we we went through it at Wisconsin. We lost coach Ryan retired. Uh, you know, I don't know what wasn't quite as far along as Turgeon was, but it was it was it took us a while to get regrouped. It's just a, 
kind of a shock and then you got to kind of regroup and it's a different voice. And so it's not an easy thing to do. Well, one of the things I want to ask is since that Ohio state game did get postponed, they did get upset against Rutgers. Now, if they, is there some, a missed opportunity maybe since Ohio state may not be in the top 25 or does that really matter? if they're ranked or not. It doesn't make any difference to the resume. I mean, the resume is going to be based off net rankings and your net ranking is going to move how it's going to move by the end of the season. I mean, if we're just looking at quadrant one, quadrant two victories, it's, I think Ohio state's going to be a quadrant one win. If you win on the road, Gary, they would have to collapse for that not to be a quadrant one win for Iowa. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't think they will. They did let that one slip away last night, but that's a good team. Rutgers is yeah, hard. Yeah, tough to beat. Yeah, no, no, they've beaten some teams there for sure. Yeah. Um, so um, uh, I don't think they'll drop a lot because of it. Rutgers blew out Michigan State over the weekend. At the, I mean, they're just ridiculous at home. They can't win on the road, but they are ridiculously good at home. So, mm-hmm. no, I, I think, uh, I, I think, whenever that game gets played, anticipate it getting played, um, it'll be an opportunity for Iowa for a, a quad one win. And the next thing I would like to ask is you've been, Corey, you've been kind of iffy on Michigan. They didn't look good at Penn State at all. I, I, I'm i thinking more of they're going to at least get one out of two against Michigan. Well, Iowa I'm lost. I'm not sure at if Penn. your opinion's changed on that. Well, Iowa lost at Penn State. <laughs> so, yeah, but so, I mean, I mean, I mean, Michigan isn't this world beater team that I think you've left them up to be. I think they're at best middle of the pack. I, I think Iowa can. I think Iowa will beat Michigan next Thursday. I mean, I don't. I don't. I don't. Certainly, they. I mean, Hunter Dickinson's going to be a handful, but that team has struggled. I don't think Gary they've ever recovered. I don't know if you have thoughts on Michigan. They've never really recovered from their early season COVID issues. Yeah, it's been a it's been a battle uphill. I, I actually thought they were starting to play a little bit better uh, up until the other night. They weren't great at Penn State, but um, um, they're dangerous. They're, they're dangerous. You know, that's a team that won a lot of games last year. They got a couple of guys that have been through it. I, uh, I think I was got a, a good chance of beating him, but it's not, it's not going to be easy. Uh, like Corey said, they got a handful in the middle. That guy's starting to play a little better Dickinson and, um, the guard is experienced. So, uh, and they're, they're desperate. Like a lot of teams, they need wins. So it's not like you're going to play a team that's not motivated. So, um, they're going to have to put it this way. They're going to have to play well to beat them. They're not going to play poorly and beat them. They're going to have to play well, and hopefully they will. Oh, yeah, they need effort. They need effort on both sides of the ball in order to beat them. I, mm-hmm. I, no doubt against that. Yeah, I no, mean, we but, saw what no effort would do when you lose to Penn State. So you yeah. can't beat Penn State without effort. You can't beat a whole lot of teams without effort. Yeah, not especially not the, when once you get to postseason play. That's why I and I'm hopeful that I'm sure Fran and the staff will do that. I'll give them a benefit of the doubt on that. I I still don't think defensively they were very good tonight. But you're nitpicking when you when you win by 27. But they gave up 87 points. So um, now again, a lot of those points were in that second half when the game was out of reach. I get that, but uh, no, defensively I'm still a big. There's a big question mark in my mind. Um, I I joked around at the beginning of the show. Bring on Gonzaga. <laughs> I, I still have I have question marks. Mm-hmm. Well, Corey, since you brought up Gonzaga, I'm not sure if they're number one. I mean, Purdue's looking pretty nice right now. Yeah, your 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 Auburn uh, 
you, I know these people on the show don't want to hear us discuss this, but I'll just say one thing about it, uh, Darrell MVP. Your 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 Auburn uh, hype train kind of derailed and plowed into a cement mixer uh, yesterday. I, well, I think so that, did Houston. So yeah, so did Houston, and you know I was not high on Houston. So well, but you did get Duke wrong. So you know. Yeah, Duke. Yeah, Duke lost at home to Virginia. Yeah, you're right. No, I'm happy. I'm, certainly, I'm happy that Duke lost at home to Virginia. That helps Iowa. So, uh, but you're right. Oh. How's uh, how's Utah State doing? Their their Iowa's only quad one win right now. I think they're really? Indiana moved down. Indiana moved down. Um, I believe quad. I think Utah State is around 45, so they're hanging on to quad one status right now. That's uh, it's it's going to be tough because I mean. Yeah, I mean, you've kind of, in your old position, you kind of got to watch every team because if somebody upsets a team in the tournament, shrinks the bubble or the bubble, it's it's a very fluid situation. Oh, for sure. Yeah. This time Absolutely. I was watching Santa Clara, St. Mary's last night, and I'm thinking, do I root for Santa Clara? Because I know that people are, I don't think they're a bid stealer at this point, but St. Mary's is probably, I think Lunardi's got them as an eight or a nine, so it would take a lot for them to fall off. Um, but obviously you don't want too many bids from those from the West Coast Conference and, and the like. So, yeah, it, it gets to that time of year where every game is important. Oh, yeah. And especially in these uh, mid-tier conferences like the A-10, the Valley, and stuff like that. So it's going to be tough down the stretch. Um, final thing I will say is currently uh, Michigan is beating Purdue 17-10. to 10, So. It's tough to win on the road. Absolutely. Let's see how that game plays out. Appreciate the call, sir. Yeah, no problem. Good talking to you and Coach Close. All right. Have a great Thank night. All right, Coach. I want to get back to the stats here. Um, we, we talked about Jordan, but let's let's spend a moment talking about the efficiency of Keegan Murray. We, we seem to say this every single night here, but he kind of gets overshadowed by the performance of Jordan. But how good was Keegan tonight? Um, a, one, second straight game where he was good on both ends. Yeah, just go look at his line. He gets 30 points on 14 shots. That's uh, that's high efficiency. Yeah, it's um, it's good to see. You know, his his, his great year continues, and he, boy, he's fun to watch. He's he's getting even better around the rim, finishing finishing things off in contact, and playing with a lot of confidence. And that's good. I mean, that's that's you need a guy like that. Uh, especially when you get in tight games and need big buckets. There's a guy you can go to. So uh, very encouraging. And Gary, once again, Iowa with nine turnovers. I mean, that you score 110 and walk away on the road with just nine turnovers. I, I just think that's unbelievable. And I'm not watching every other Big Ten game, but that's got I, – I, I'll look these stats up during while we take this next call because I, I would venture to say Iowa's probably leading the league in least amount of turnovers in Big Ten play. Is that – far-fetched to believe no they'll be right there there are some teams that do handle the ball well Uh, wisconsin will be right there with them um but um they don't nearly have as many possessions as iowa does normally so obviously with more possessions you got a better chance to turn the ball over so uh we've talked about that for a while to to be as high scoring and as fast as they play and still handle the ball like they do is shows the discipline that, that they've got and how fundamentally sound they are. Um, it's uh, fun to watch. So, okay. I'll just tell you, and I know we got our caller on the line here. Um, Iowa right now leads the league in turnover margin. 
Um, and they let me bring up this other stat. They also lead the league in assist to turnover ratio. Um, and um, in second place in that in both categories is Wisconsin. So you hit it on the head, Gary. But Iowa number one in both categories. Let's take our next call here. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's on the line? Uh, Doug from Ames, Iowa. Hey, Doug. How are you, sir? I'm pretty good. Uh, first, I wanted to talk about something a little bit different. Uh, the passing of Mac McCoslin and what he meant to Iowa basketball and me as a child and how he grew my fandom. I just uh, wish his family, Kent and all them, um, you know, peace. And yeah, Kent was, uh, Mac was just an awesome color commentator and he taught you so much about the game. And I just wanted uh, his family to know um, how much we uh, as fans respected him and Larry and, um, you know, here in central Iowa, everyone watched KDSM Fox 17 and, uh, watch Mac and Larry because, you know, they were on 25 times, you know, a year and yeah. they were just awesome. Yeah. I, I appreciate you bringing that up, Doug. And I did want to talk about that this evening, Gary. So maybe this would be kind of a good segue into maybe giving your thoughts on Mac. I, I know my perspective is totally different than the 40 to 50 year old fan, but I did listen to Mac during the Licklider era. And I remember that was the, one of the only positives, no offense to Todd, <laughs> but yeah. hearing Mac McCausland on ESPN plus, even during the early two thousands to mid two thousands was uh, a joy. He's just, a, he seemed like a really mellow guy and very knowledgeable about the sport. That was clear. Yeah. I loved basketball. Um, yeah. It's been a tough uh, few weeks for Iowa fans with Mac. And uh, some of them may not know Doug Goodfellow was a, uh, guy on the uh, on the table for many 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 years, really good guy. Uh, and then we lost our team photographer Lloyd Bender, who went on all the trips and really an excellent guy. Um, but Matt was one of the first guys I met when we came in '86, and you could see his enthusiasm and love for the game, love for the Hawkeyes right from the get go. Uh, the only thing I had a problem with is he kept my insurance rates kept going up and up and. I uh, kept calling, hey, come on, you got to get those. What are you, I'm paying for your golf tournaments or what? Your, your, my insurance rates are off the, off the chart. But, um, and I did, I just saw him not too long ago at, a, at an Iowa game. So it was the, when I found out about it, uh, it was a real surprise and very sad. He was a good man and, and a true, true Hawk fan. Just nobody loved Iowa any more than Mac did. Another thing I wanted to bring up was uh, Jordan's 10 threes. I thought Kingsbury would have that record forever uh, for the single game. Uh, it's been a long time, so I was very uh, happy to see Jordan break that record because I know he's hit eight a few times. Yeah, and I'll say this. Um, we were reflecting while well, we were watching the game this evening just on the greatest three-point shooters in Iowa history, and certainly Jordan has struggled this year, Gary. Um, and we can talk about Kingsbury, we can talk about Kent McCausland. Um, who are the greatest shooters in your mind in Iowa history? I'm talking about from well, three. Kent, Kent still, I think, has the record for the highest three-point percentage in school history. I think he was over 50%. Um, he was a terrific shooter. He didn't shoot a lot of them. He only shot the ones that were open. I mean, he was a smart player, and he had some players around him. But, boy, if you left him open, uh, it was down. He was a great pure shooter. Uh, Kingsbury had phenomenal range, great confidence, wasn't afraid to shoot him. Um, so those two guys were really, really, really good. Um, and Jordan is obviously in that class. He's he's done it for a long time. It's um, um, 
you, you can see the hard work has really paid off. Um, uh, so hats off to him. I, I think it's great. And you, you want to see him finish his final year. At least I think it's going to be his final year. You never know. Maybe he'll come out for year seven. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, you, want to, you want him to finish strong because he's had some unbelievable moments at Iowa. And he's been, uh, he's been a very loyal player and good player. So good to see. I'm just going to be completely honest, and I'll get ripped for saying this. And, Gary, you and I talked about this after the last game on, on Sunday. I All week, I just thinking about uh, the the lineup change with, with Toussaint leaving the lineup, and I, I kept thinking to myself, it's just not fair to Joe. You know, he didn't deserve to be benched. But at the same time, you you brought it up on, on Sunday. you got to do what's best for the team. How much, looking strictly at, at this that this result, and I know it's anecdotal evidence. It's an out. You could call it an outlier if you look at the rest of Jordan's performances. Although, albeit again, you know when he's at the two majority of the year, how much do you attribute that change or the, the performance tonight to the change? Does that? How does it change things being at the at the point guard position for Jordan? I think it. I think it definitely helped. He's got the ball in his hands more more often. Uh, he looked right from the beginning in the last game. That he was just more aggressive. Um, and uh, so I think it. I think it was a great coaching move. I think it definitely uh, definitely had a positive effect, and and the team has won two games, so it's hard to fault. Um, and sometimes that's a move you got to make to see if you can shake something loose that can help your team um, win. I I, I think Fran, Fran has shown tremendous patience all year. I think Rebrach has has, has paid off. Um, you know, he struggled early and not like he's some phenomenal player, but he just continues to play better and better, more solid. He's better now defensively. He's not getting beat as much around the rim. Uh, he's scoring better in traffic. Um, he showed patience with him. He showed patience with Jordan. Um, that's good coaching, and it's and it's paid off, um, and uh, he deserves credit for that. Eric asked a question. Was this Iowa's most complete game of the year? Gary, do you, I, I, I'm going to say no, because I think it was, I, I want to say that there were games where Iowa played better defensively and that's maybe, maybe I'm totally off base. Um, it's, it's tough to tell just because Maryland just did not play very well at all. Um, offensively, they were very good, uh, but it's, you know, they just, they just didn't get a lot of resistance today it just uh, you know there there were so many baskets they got after Maryland scored that were easy it was just uh it wasn't a great effort on their end but hey you can only do what you can do and how teams play you so yeah um and you got to make shots they move the ball well they hit the open guy they offensively I thought they were very good defensively I thought in the first half they were just average um maybe a little bit above that um and I thought they did a better job in the second half of controlling the ball. And but anytime you give up 13 threes, that's a, that's a concern. Uh, that's too many, even in a game like that. That's that'll get you beat uh, a lot of times. Um, tonight it didn't. But you know, if I'm a coach, I'm showing them those threes and I'm showing the defensive breakdowns. They look. It, this didn't hurt us tonight, but it could very well hurt us against Michigan coming up in a couple of days if we don't uh, if we don't shore that up. But uh, offensively, they were terrific. I get that Fats Russell is really quick, and Iowa had problems with him the first time, but back cuts and blow buys. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, the, the, I, and again, 
I, I, I hesitate to even criticize the performance because I know everybody's on cloud nine when you win by 23 on the road against a Big sure. Ten team. But, but I was getting frustrated, and I think we saw that Fran McCaffrey was getting frustrated because he pulled Aaron Euless out of the game at one point and put Joe Toussaint back in there. Is that just being over-aggressive? Because you and I have talked about that. At times, Iowa plays a bit too aggressive defensively, and it costs them. I think a lot of teams get, get caught in the trap when, when a team hits a couple threes on them. They're going, uh-oh. And they almost extend too far. Um, okay. And then what happens is you got more court to cover, and now you give up more dribble penetration, and they get even more threes because you got to rotate and pinch. And now they're kicking it out for even better threes than they got before. Uh, so I thought at times they were almost too extended. You could understand why because they hit a couple threes, and they don't hit any more. But it's like, hey, get to the three point line, maybe a hair above, and get your hand up. And that's about as far as you got to go. Um, and if they're going to shoot a three, four feet behind there, then, you know, okay. And then we'll, we'll see if they go in. But I, I thought at times they were even almost too extended and it, it hurt them with dribble penetration and driving and kicking and, and things like that. And I thought it was interesting. I actually went back and I charted the first half and I came up with, um, they made uh, six threes. Maryland did. They were six for eight. So they scored 18 points on threes. Um, they made five layups. So they scored 10 points on layups. That's 26 points. They made um, seven free throws. Uh, so that's 36 points. So 36 wow. of their 41 points were threes, layups, and free throws. They only made uh, 42 points. They only made three baskets that were two-point jump shots. And that's what you got to get teams to do is beat you with two-point jump shots. And I thought in the second half they did a better job of that. Less layups, less threes. Um, and that's – that's that's what I look at is what is what shots you're giving up around the rim and from three and then how contested are they? You know, sometimes there you do a great job and you're contesting the shot and they just make them. And hey, that's OK. Um, you just don't want to give up the uncontested threes. And obviously you don't want to give up the uncontested layups. Um, I did think Iowa did a pretty good job of not fouling, uh, especially when they got the ball inside. I think that was an improvement. Um but I think the big thing right now is being able to control the ball and keeping it out of the paint. Um, I think they still struggle guarding the ball one-on-one, which is the most difficult thing to do defensively. I mean, it's, it's, right. uh, it's, it's a tough thing to do, but I think that's the area that they've got to shore up as they play these better teams. And it seems like Keegan Murray has really been, I mean, again, uh, we'll have to see moving forward, but it seems like he's cleaned up his, I, I called it kind of a handsy issue where you get these cheap yeah. fouls. He's not getting into trouble now, Gary. Yeah. And you can see it's paying off with him on the court more and doing more and more things. No, I, he's a smart kid. You, you, you figured he was going to figure that out just because, uh, you know, he wants to be on the court. So uh, sometimes you get into a rut where you just get a little, little too handsy and, and uh, you got to, see where it's happening and then try to clean it up. And, um, and he's done that. He deserves credit for that. All right. This is going to be a, you'll have to think about this for a second. And I, I'm sure I know what the answer is, but have you ever seen a stat line or you've been a part of a game where your team shot nearly actually, yeah, very close to double the number of three, uh, double the amount of threes as opposed to free throws 
as far as I'm talking about attempts, Iowa shot 34 threes as opposed to just 21 free throws and nearly shot better from three. Um, <laughs> Iowa shot 50, excuse me, 56% from three and just 62% from the free throw line. Now, again, um, I understand it's one game, 62% from the free throw line. I mean, you could shoot worse, but kind of struggled a bit from the free throw line. Um, have you ever been a part of a game like that? I'm not sure. I tell you what, shooting 21 free throws while attempting 34 free throws tells you how good their offense was. Yeah. Um, it, it tells you that they were getting, when they weren't getting threes, they were getting shots around the basket. And uh, that's what you want offensively. You, you know, if you're trying not to let that up defensively, obviously that's what you want to do offensively is get open threes and get shots around the hoop where you can draw fouls and have a nice balance. And that's exactly what they did tonight. And that's how you put up 110 points. You just, uh, you shoot a real high percentage. I'd love to know how many layups they made. Uh, it's probably, they probably had 20 layups uh, in that game, maybe more. And, uh, you know, you're not going to draw fouls from the three-point line. Uh, you got to draw fouls driving and posting up. And so to get 21 free throws attempted when you shoot 34 threes, um, that's a pretty remarkable stat in itself that shows you that offensively they were they were really efficient. And and I think what you said earlier, Gary, about really lo- examining a defensive performance on tape, because if you just look at, at score, um, I think you and I would probably both agree that Iowa played better defense once again in that second half than they did in the first half. And yet you look at the scoreline and Maryland scored 41 in the first 46 in the second. But again, understanding the fact that Iowa took a 37 point lead at one point that plays into it. And again, you know, I flash back to the Rutgers game. I thought Iowa played good defense against Rutgers. I also thought Rutgers missed a lot of gimmies and they couldn't hit the broadside of a barn in that game. And, And you factor that into play. So um, again, I think Fran does a, a good job of this in general, not getting too high or too low based on a result. Yeah. And I think that's a perfect reason why, correct? Yeah, and I think the defense was better at the beginning of the half. It may not have been very good at the end when when he had to substitute and those yeah. guys come in and they haven't played much. And and then the other team is there's no pressure. So those shots are a lot easier to take when the game's already uh, been decided. So I think that that's a little bit skewed. I thought for the first eight or 10 minutes when the lead went from whatever was at half up to 30 something. Um, I thought their defense was a little bit better um, in the beginning of the half. And the last 10 minutes, I think you throw out, it was, uh, you know, it's pretty much garbage time from there. Yeah. Uh, and I will say this, um, you look at the team stats in this game, we mentioned turnovers. Iowa just nine turnovers, just 12 for Maryland which is, is interesting. When you see 110 on the board, you anticipate a, a bunch of sloppy play. And it, did get a, it got sloppy for a little while in that second half. But it, if you flash back to that first half, Gary, we're talking about the defense. I mean, Iowa was, ended up being up by 37 in the second half, but that was a, a close first half. Iowa had a problem pulling away for a good stretch of that and eventually yeah. did get a comfortable lead by halftime. But it was a close game, the majority of the first half. Yeah, and then they, they just shot unbelievably to get the lead. I mean, it was, uh, you know, if they had just shot okay, it would have been it would have been a – or even good, it would have been it would have been a competitive game in half. Uh, that's how well they that's how well they shot in the first half. Charles says, "Agree with Coach Close about Jabo. We've been very critical of him this year, myself included. But the last two games specifically, he has shown up better defensively as well." Um, and he adds, "Question for Coach Close: Iowa seems on track to make the tournament. Where do you see them possibly being seated?" 
And given where the team is is as of today, how far could they realistically go? I know it's a loaded question, Gary. Yeah, that's man. They're they're putting me on a spot there. <laughs> um, I you know I th- they're probably right now they're you know like the, I think they showed on the telecast today at eight. I mean they're they're just in right now eight nine seed, so they've got work to do. Obviously, if you're an eight nine seed, you're going to be playing the number one seed in the second round, and that's. Yeah, that's not an easy task. So um, uh, but hey, what you're trying to do now is you're trying to improve. You're trying to get as many wins as you can get. You're trying to be playing well, you know, in March when it really counts and they're on the right track um, on that. They just, they just got to continue to get better and and um, continue to pile up wins and maybe their seating can improve. A lot of times in NCAA tournaments, it's got a little bit to do with matchups but it's got even more to do with how you're playing. I mean, if you're, if you're going in there playing well and playing confidently, that certainly helps. It's not a guarantee, but um, you'd like to be playing well. You like to be healthy and, and, you know, maybe get a favorable matchup. And we see it all the time where teams get hot and make a run. So um, that's the beauty of the NCAA tournament. Um, I can remember one year, Wisconsin, we got knocked out in the big 10 tournament first game, first game and we didn't play that well. And, and we knew we had a pretty good team and then we end up making a good long run um, deep into the tournament. So um, this team's got a chance. They just got to keep getting better. And, and uh, they made it, they made a nice step tonight. Well, we start seeing Peyton Sanford a bit more uh, nine points tonight, three of three from the field. Are we going to start seeing him more minutes as the season goes on? Do you believe? Right. I think I think the rotation is pretty well set, and I think part of it will be, you know, he's just going to go with the guy that's playing well. I think some of those guys, it's going to be based on how they're playing. The other guys, you know, obviously are going to play majority of the minutes because they've proven themselves. So um, I, I do think Bohannon's minutes have gone up, and I think that's also helped him uh, with his shooting. That he's, you know, he's just he's a little more comfortable on the court. He he knows he's going to be in there, um, and um, I think that's helped as well. This is an interesting note here. So Charles brings up minutes. Eula Sanford with 14, Perkins with 16, Joe T with 18. So uh, Perkins starts and Joe Tucson ends up with more minutes, and, and we've talked about that dynamic. And, boy, if somehow that change did ignite Jordan Bohannon, we'll see if it continues because we have seen inconsistency from Jordan over the past couple of seasons, especially this year. But if that continues and you can still get Joe T his minutes while starting Jordan at the point guard position, which seems like he's most comfortable at, boy, that that's you found lightning in a bottle on that move if you're Fran. You alluded to that earlier. Yeah, and I, I think those minutes are you know not going to change a great deal. And I think it's going to be, you know, I think it's going to be more on on gut as who's playing well and and maybe matchups will have something to do with it, uh, how they played in practice. I think all those guys are just battling to get minutes and going to kind of go with the hot hand. I think the guys that have proven themselves are going to – I don't think those minutes are going to change much. I think it's going to be more uh, the guards that we talked about and, and Sanford. Um, I think it's going to be more how they're playing and, and, uh, and things like that that will you know, tweak the minutes a little bit, but I don't think they're going to change a lot. Kurt says, was rewatching the 87 Elite Eight tourney game against UNLV. Got a few glimpses of Coach Close on the Iowa bench. That game still breaks my heart to this day anyway on Iowa. <laughs> breaks my heart, too. 
Do you, you think <laughs> about that game, Gary? Oh, that game was unbelievable. You know, I, I was at Stanford for three years with Tom, and we never made the NCAA tournament. We, uh, you know, it was a tough rebuilding program, and then we leave to go to Iowa. And the first year we go to Iowa, we go all the way to – we're playing – we're playing – uh, I'm in the locker room at halftime. I was like, man, we're 20 minutes away from going to Final Four. And the first trip to the NCAA tournament, I said, man, this is easy. Uh, why do people say it's so hard to get to the Final Four? And, um, of course, we were, you know, I think we were up 15 or 16 or 17. And um, Kevin Gamble gets his third foul right in the beginning of the half. And guy gets loose and makes a bunch of threes. And all of a sudden, that knew if he was number one in the country. I mean, they were really good. And yep. we just played an unbelievable first half, and um, but we had a we had a chance with the ball to win the game and didn't get it done. Um, ah, hell, we'll be back. I mean, this this is this is you know, it was disappointing, but it's so hard to get there uh, that when you do, you right. got to take advantage of it. But that was a terrific basketball team that really, really came together with just the first year, and um, it was really a memorable year. One I still look back on a lot. It was it was a, it was a blast. And Lemansky adds that you do not age, Gary. Uh, but I, I want to <laughs> ask you, computer. as it relates to uh, heartbreaking losses, because you have a different perspective, because you went on to have a lot of success at Wisconsin, as we we all know. So my question is, is there a game, um, you know, people bring up the UNLV game or the Jacksonville game. I mean, is there a game in your career that stands out as the hardest to swallow? Was it one of the final four trips for Wisconsin, well, I would say it'd be either that game or the or the Duke championship game that we had okay. a chance to win at all. Um, and uh, I thought we were the better team, and we won't go into it in depth. I, I thought the officiating was unbelievable, uh, but um, we can go into it in that's, depth. That's oh. for another day. That's for another day. But it, <laughs> we we should have we we could have won despite the officiating. We didn't play particularly well, especially the last ten minutes, and and. Uh, let a let a uh, let a chance to win it all slip away. I, I really thought we had the better team. Um, you know, we had beaten Kentucky uh, two nights before, and they were number one and undefeated, and beat them beat them fairly soundly. And um, I, I thought that was our year. And the year before, we're up uh, we're up one with six or seven seconds left against Kentucky, and. Um, uh, I can't think of his name now, the little guard who had made a three all day and we're figuring he's going to drive it to, you know, because they're down, I think they were down one. Anyway, he shoots a three from like three feet behind the line and makes it. And so they beat us and they uh, end up losing to Connecticut. That was your Connecticut won it. And I thought if we had got that game and you know, we might've won two championships back to back and didn't get either one. So I'd say either one of those two games or the UNLV game, um, at Iowa, the three probably toughest ones to take. It's funny how you remember those more than you remember the ones that, that you win. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm obviously you. You know, I'm I'm I wasn't around for the uh, for your heyday here at uh, at Iowa, so I kind of have a a naive but sort of a unique perspective. I guess like I get to learn here on the show with everybody else. But um, I think of Iowa football 2015. Michigan State loss in the final seconds. That's probably in my lifetime, and I've watched Iowa football and Iowa hoops my entire life. That's the one game that stands out the most in my memory. Mm-hmm. And it was a loss. That's mm-hmm. just, yeah. you know, and, and I'm don't not forget a- them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that 86 87 team was terrific. I mean, 
you go back and look at it, see how many of those players were on played in the NBA. Um, but they were very, very unselfish. We played 10 guys, um, great chemistry. We were very lucky. Coach Raveling um, had arranged a foreign trip uh, that you can take every four years. And that happened that year. So we were able to take, uh, because we were new, we had a chance to get two weeks of practice, 10 practices in, and then it got a couple weeks playing. It really helped us uh, for them to get an idea of what we were like and we to get an idea of what they were like in our system. And, and um, I, I don't know if a lot of people know that Brad Lowhouse wasn't going to play. Um, he was going to retire. And uh, we encouraged him, hey, come on out, go to the, on the trip with us. You get a free trip to Korea and to China. And hey, then if you don't like it, when you get back, then you can do it. And BJ was thinking about transferring, didn't think he could play at that level. And so that trip really helped us. If we had not had that trip, maybe those two would not have been around. Um, they went on the trip, had a, you know, had a great time, liked what we were doing. And of course, those two went on to have long NBA careers. Um, yeah. Tevin Gamble had a long NBA career. Les Jepson played in the league. Uh, Roy did a little bit. Eddie, I mean, it was a it was a talented team that played hard, played well together, and um, we had a chance to really do something. It was uh, we were we were close to getting the Final Four, and that was the year Indiana won it, and we had beaten them badly at our place early in the year, and they beat us very late in the year to win the Big Ten Championship on, in a really close game. Um, so I would have liked our chances if we had gotten that far, but unfortunately we didn't. <laughs> So. so I'm curious, though, going back to the you mentioned BJ, and I've heard that before. I think you and I have discussed that before in the past, maybe off the air. But the the BJ situation where he was thinking about leaving and you guys convinced him to, to travel with you overseas and eventually got him to stay. And of course, that was during the coaching transition. But my question to you is, why did BJ? Because he was going to go to Eastern Michigan, correct? Yeah, he was. Um, he just didn't think he could play at the level. He had, you know, he had he had like a lot of young kids coming in. It's a big jump from high school to the big 10 and, you know, I'm sure he had some ups and downs and some t- tough moments. And I think there's some doubt. Um, and uh, I think he was wondering if he was good enough to play at that level and play to the level he wanted to play at. And so, um, you know, with a coaching change, that's, that's when, you know, something one of those kind of things can happen. And um, we watched enough tape on him to know that he had a chance and, um, Hey, look, uh, we don't want to lose anybody. We want everybody there. So, hey, give us a chance. Let's go on the trip. Let's see what happens. And, and, um, but we had, we had a very deep team. Michael Reeves backed him up at the point guard. He was solid. Jeff Moe backed up Kevin Gamble. He was really good. Um, we had Gary Wright and Eddie Horton at the five. We had Lorenzen and, and Lowhouse at the four. So we were really deep. Um, so we could wear people out and um, it was a fun team to watch and, and uh, really good basketball team. All right. I want to, I want to kind of take the last couple moments here, Gary, the show to transition a little bit to the tournament, but I, I see a couple comments here in the chat that I want to address regarding the bubble. Okay. So my first question is, would you rather be a seven, eight, nine, 10 or 11 seed? Because I have an opinion on this. I think you'd rather be an 11. What What are your thoughts? Yeah, probably. I mean, as a coach, you never really look at that kind of stuff. You just want to get in. 
sure. um, and and then deal with it. I, I would say, uh, you know, with 11, then you're going to avoid the one. Uh, if you're able to, uh, you know, get past the first game, obviously you're going to play a little more of a difficult opponent, opponent in the first game. But um, uh, I think the first the first goal is to get in. Uh, and, and if you get in, um, you're happy. And sometimes you're you're not happy with your seating. There's always controversy there, but first goal is to get in, and then from there, um, see who you're playing, and and go from there. But um, it's um, it's a wonderful time of the year. So hopefully Iowa can get enough wins that they can be in the be in the mix because uh, there's nothing nothing like March Madness. Oh, absolutely not. And and Jordan brings up the bubble is sort of weak this year. Um, there aren't a lot of bid stealers from the. I mean, I don't know. Again, if you if you consider the West Coast Conference, I, I don't have the the data in front of me. I think typically the West Coast Conference is going to get a couple teams in with St. Mary's and and certainly BYU and uh, uh, Gonzaga. Um, but the bubble is weaker this year, and Iowa. It, I, I've said it this whole time. I, I know you brought it up earlier in the year. If they're ten and ten, I think they're in. Um, if they get that Ohio State game back and they're nine and eleven, you know we'll see the schedule again. This is, you know, you got Nebraska coming up on Super Bowl Sunday here, Gary. And I got the, the network wrong. I believe that's uh, BTN at one o'clock. So I'll correct that here. But, um, I mean, you take care of business there in Iowa's, because what are you sitting there, right at 500 now? I mean, you're sitting at six and six. You're ahead of schedule. Um, and you've already played both your games against Purdue. Um, mm-hmm. You have to go to Illinois, but you get um, Nebraska twice. You get Michigan, who's been struggling twice. You get Northwestern. I'm telling you, it's it's the conference is tough, but the schedule from here on out is not murderer's row. No, it's not. But it's it's um, you, you got to take you know it sounds cliche, but you got to take them one at a time. It's you, you start thinking, oh, I got that one and that one, and then somebody knocks your butt off, and then all of a sudden, whoops, and then you know, then you're you're dealing with it. It's, it happens all the time. Um, you know, I, I think most people would have thought that uh, Ohio State goes in and wins that game, you know, has a good chance of winning that game last night, and they, they had it, and then they let it slip away. And there are going to be games like that that Iowa's going to have to finish um, because these other teams are in the same boat. Uh, Northwestern's playing better. Um, they're, they're playing better. They're starting to finally figure out how to win instead of losing all those games that are close. So that's not going to be a walk in the park. Um, Michigan is in that bubble category now too, so they need wins badly. Um, that's a team that you know was phenomenal last year, Final Four team. Uh, they got guys on that team that played in the Final Four. So um, you know it's not Murder's Row in terms of having to play Purdue and maybe Wisconsin and and uh, teams like that. Or they got Illinois. Uh, but it's still going to be competitive, and they're still going to have to play well. They're not, you know, it's not like you're going to play badly and beat these teams. You're going to have to play well, and um, but that's you know that's what you want to do. If you're not you're not playing well, you're not going to last long in the tournament anyway. So, uh, but they are in good position now. They just got to take advantage of it. And they're you know they do play Michigan State, but they get them at home. And that game against Ohio State, there will be likely be. Um, there were reports that it was going to be next week. It sounds like that uh, is not happening. The Big Ten, of course, making those decisions, but there will likely be a, a six, five to six day stretch where they have to play three games to make up yeah. that Ohio State game. Yeah, and that's where that bench is going to is going to be important. Um, 
And uh, so, yeah, that they'll have a stretch if that game's rescheduled where they'll they'll have some might have some games like three and five days or something like that where they're going to be where they're going to be tested. So players like that, though, and that's less practicing and yeah. they don't have a problem with that. So coaches don't they're like it maybe as much, but yeah, they're all over. it. You know, that's, that's easy. They play three way, and four uh, AU games a game. What's what's yeah. what's three games in five days? They can handle it. A lot of people bring up that '87 squad, uh, and boy, Eric's a big fan of Sir Jamalot. I know we've talked about him in the past, um, and there was another comment here about the Eric mentioned. He said he, the '87 team had it, had what it took to to win it all. Would you? Uh, we did. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt. That. Yeah. If we could have had that team a little bit longer. Um, although we were certainly in position to do it, but to, to go as far as they did, you know, in the very first year and, you know, Brad Lawhouse had not played a whole lot uh, prior to that year. Kevin Gamble had never even gotten off the bench. Um, and now all of a sudden he's a starter and, uh, but it really did come together and coach Davis did a phenomenal job. And, and, um, uh, and that, that, that big 10 year, that year was loaded. I mean, there were some, unbe- well, Indiana ended up winning it all. Illinois was loaded. Ohio State, Ohio State beat us at home, cost us the Big Ten championship. They were loaded. Dennis Hobson. Um, there were some phenomenal teams in that league. Great coaches, Knight, and uh, it was an unbelievable um, Gary Williams, unbelievable basketball year. Uh, that was, uh, and we were we were right there. It was it was a lot of fun. One final note on on this evening, and again, I'm nitpicking here. You know, one little criticism I had of Fran, I thought he left Keegan Murray in there too long. I, I thought when you're up 35. Oh, with, come on, Corey. My and, am I wrong? <laughs> no? I Were don't you know. Not, I didn't, I didn't, by that time, I was, was Mac McCausland would say, I already had the chips and salsa out by then, so I don't <laughs> even remember when he took him out. Uh, but uh, – I was just thinking with 12 minutes to go in the game, I thought, boy, you, you, you hate to see something bad happen here. I know you can't play that game. I mean, it could something bad could happen at any point. But, boy, when you're yeah. up 37, yeah. Yeah. you're not coming back from a 37-point deficit. I don't care if you're – I don't care who you're putting out on the court with 10 minutes to go or whatever it was. So, But uh, a couple good notes here, and one of them um, – I lost the comment, but somebody made the note of maybe Fran saw something um, from home <laughs> when he was watching the game – um, did you Patrick, ever Patrick said it was a lot quieter on a bench? <laughs> it was a lot quieter. We did hear that comment from Patrick. I love that. Did you ever have a, a did you ever, I know you were never suspended, but did you ever get sick and, and have to watch a, a, a game from home as a coach? No, actually, the only game that I had to watch from home, well, my, my mother died right in the middle of the season, and I had to go back to New Jersey for that when I was at Wisconsin. And I, I watched I watched one of our games, um, I think we were at Minnesota. And uh, I had to watch it from home. And that's tough to do. And I, I can't imagine being a head coach and having to do it because uh, it was tough enough as an assistant. It's not it's not easy. And I'm sure Fran doesn't want to do that again. Um, and fortunately, uh, you know, they had a great second half and and won the game. So uh, but no, that's that would that's that's not an easy thing to do. And it was Garth that, that brought that up. Um, do you have a different perspective when you're at home, though? I mean, can you kind of look at the game in a different way without all the distractions or maybe the response? Yeah, I think so. You know, it's 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 you know it's, it's obviously a different angle that you're watching from. Probably a little better angle to scout from and to, and see what's going on. Uh, yeah, I think so. It is a little it is a little bit different. So um, there is some truth to that. 
And final comment from Twins plus one. Yes, Jordan Bohannon heating up at the right time, and that couldn't be any closer to the. Or, I, I mean that that is the best development. I if you're an Iowa fan, Jordan Bohannon finally getting out of what I guess you could call it a slump. He's just struggled all year from three, Gary. And if this can can become, I'm not expecting him to make three a night, but you need guard play in the tournament, as we know. And Iowa's got to be able to make threes to be successful. And well, you put up 110 on the road in the Big Ten. Um, you, you know, again, that was ignited because of Jordan Bohannon's three point shooting. So, uh, just really encouraging to see him come yeah. out of that slump tonight. Confidence goes a long way. You know, when you're when you're a confident player, you got a better chance of playing playing well, and and that that's got to help us confidence. He's not going to make ten every game, but uh, hopefully, uh, he'll make a, a good percentage of his open looks, and that's that's all you can ask. All right, folks, Iowa-Nebraska on Super Bowl Sunday. The game was moved up, so it'll be at 1 p.m. Central time on FS1. Um, And, you know, maybe a bad time to be playing Nebraska because they just got their first conference win the other night, although part of me would rather Iowa play them after winning a game. You you feel like you're playing with fire, playing a team who's 0-13 in the Big Ten because eventually they're going to get off the snide, and they kind of already have done that, Gary. Yep, that is that is done. They're not going to go winless. Um, they just got to come out and play their game. Play, you know, play solid and and play hard and take care of business and and uh, keep improving. Every 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 opportunity is a chance to get better, and that's what they got to think about. They got to get better, better defensively, better rebounding, better handle the ball if that's possible. Just get better and. Uh, because you want to be playing the best you possibly can when it really starts to count. Hopefully they'll be playing some meaningful games down the stretch and into March. So um, starts with a good effort on Sunday. You absolutely cannot lose to Nebraska at home, Gary. I mean, that's just, you cannot that's afford it. That. That's not going to happen, Corey. Not going to happen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Gary, as always, appreciate the time, sir. And uh, we'll talk to you. Will we talk to you on Super Bowl Sunday? Or are you going to be knee deep in cheese? Well, dip? I don't know, man. It's, that's uh, let's see. What time is kickoff? Uh, yeah, we should be OK. Uh, five. Yeah. You might, we'll you might cut into a little bit of my Super Bowl pregame, but. Uh, I think the game was originally at three. So we'd been doing the postgame at five initially. Would that have, <laughs> would that have been oh, what we would have been doing? Because the game was initially scheduled for three. We would have been yeah. going on the air at five. Would anybody have been passing up on the Super Bowl to listen to us talk about an uh, Iowa winner? Uh, uh, maybe a few diehards, but uh, you might have been doing it by yourself. <laughs> I would have been just talking <laughs> to myself. I've done that before, Gary. By the way, Michigan leading number three, Purdue, 38-29 at halftime on ESPN. So. Um, perhaps an upset in the making in Ann Arbor. Gary, appreciate the time, and we'll talk All to right, you. Cool. Sounds good. Sunday.